Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 again. We will begin there. I'll read verses 13 and following. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ uh, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, uh, than for doing evil. Well, uh, last night our, our little outline was uh, pretty clear uh, from this text in First Peter chapter 3, that we are to not fear, but to uh, regard Christ as holy in our hearts, or to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts, always being ready uh, to make a defense uh, to everyone who asks us concerning the hope that's within us, and we talked about the hope being the hope of the resurrection, and uh, uh, along with that, uh, having a good conscience and uh, the necessity of having a uh, good conscience. Uh, so uh, this morning I want to uh, uh, talk about the uh, defense. And that's principally where I'm going to go uh, this morning is with this idea of uh, being ready and uh, having a defense ready, and I'm uh, bringing this to you uh, under the topic of, I guess uh, this would be the, the way to state it, would be to uh, uh, preparing your testimony. And uh, I want to give you an example of a defense from Scripture. Uh, but before uh, we go there, uh, I want to back up and uh, talk about this idea of fear uh, a little bit, and uh, draw a, a distinction that it seems to me is important. In First uh, Peter chapter three, and uh, in verse uh, fourteen, have no fear of them. the The idea there is, uh, as we talked about it last night, uh, the fear of. Uh, individuals, the fear of people, the fear of men, what they might do uh, uh, to you, how they might react to you when you present the gospel, uh, this sort of thing. And uh, often we are intimidated. And uh, another way to understand the text uh, would be, don't fear their intimidation. Don't fear how they may intimidate you. Uh, uh, this is uh, part of how uh, the text uh, falls out. And I want to draw a distinction between that kind of fear and the kind of fear that we heard in the testimonies last night. When uh, Michelle and David uh, spoke to us, uh, one of the things that I was really struck uh, by in their testimonies is that each of them uh, in different ways, went through a, a period of darkness 
and of fear. And uh, as I recall, uh, Michelle said that she went through, it was a shorter time of fear uh, that came upon her more specifically when she was in the hospital and she was in darkness and it was, it was a fear of hell. And that if she died, uh, she would go to hell. And it really frightened her. And uh, this this is a, a a real kind of fear that people experience. And uh, David's uh, fear was uh, similar. Uh, that uh, it was kind of interesting, was it not? That he had a, a deep regard for hell. He believed in hell. All right. Uh, and it was over a period of time that the reality of hell uh, was impressed upon him. And both of them had this uh, fear uh, that came upon them. Uh, this kind of fear is quite typical of individuals who are under conviction by the Holy Spirit. And uh, you uh, got this uh, implication as they uh, spoke a little bit last night. They didn't say this uh, specifically, but they uh, talked about this uh, a fear that came upon them. And, and this is typical of the kind of thing that happens to people who are under conviction of sin. Uh, that uh, fear does come upon them. And uh, during the Great Awakening, uh, this was a, a fairly common occurrence. And the whole idea of awakening uh, uh, comes from the fact that people are awakened to their sins. Not necessarily that they're born again, but that they're awakened to their sins, that this fear comes upon them, and they know that if they die, they're doomed. So, And this is a Puritan doctrine. This really is a Puritan doctrine. This is how the Puritans understood these things. Now, the other fascinating thing about this uh, is that uh, David talked about the fact that uh, uh, as he was going through uh, this uh, time of fear, uh, the uh, counsel that he had uh, earlier uh, would come back to him. Well, you have to uh, let Jesus Christ into your heart. And he would pray about this that uh, and ask Jesus to come into his heart. And uh, I'm impressed by that because uh, in the end, the counsel is poor, <laughs> you see. And this is how we will often uh, think about our need in evangelism. We come across someone who uh, is experiencing this strife or this fear because of what God is doing in their lives, and we think right away, well, we need to give them the gospel and, and, and uh, get them to repent right away and to trust in Christ. And uh, the counsel uh, that I would give, and not, that I think the uh, Puritans would give, uh, would be this, not so fast. Not so fast. Let them understand the gospel. Let them understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Let that information be given to them. But then, let God do His work. 
I think in evangelism, we are too quick uh, to think that we can bring about conversions. And we've been taught this uh, by uh, calling people to make a decision. And uh, often when people are called to make a decision, it's premature and they're not ready. God hasn't brought them full cycle through this period of conviction. And uh, last night what we saw is uh, this time of conviction can vary greatly. It might be a long period of time. It might be a very short period of time. God has not yet brought them through a period of conviction uh, so that they are ready to actually turn to Christ. And, and God has ripened His work so that He turns them to Christ. And uh, this is what we really want to see. We want to see uh, God the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ His Son uh, turn people to Christ so that they're genuinely and truly converted. And uh, I always say, God is pretty good at converting people. <laughs> he, he knows exactly what He's doing. Uh, we on our part, not so much. We don't always know what we're doing. Uh, we think we know what we're doing, uh, but we do not always know uh, what we're doing. And uh, so I'm drawing a distinction between uh, these two kinds of fear, and uh, uh, which I think is important, and uh, calling you to uh, gain some discernment with regard to individuals. Uh, in the next session, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, gaining some discernment in, in these matters uh, from a little bit different perspective, uh, but I think this is... Uh, uh, this is a good start uh, for us to uh, understand uh, that this is the case. Uh, okay, uh, back to First uh, Peter uh, 3 and uh, this idea of always being ready to make a defense uh, to those who uh, ask you with regard to the hope that's within you. And then notice in First Peter 3, uh, verse... Uh, 14, uh, do it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. I'm, I'm the guy that uh, comes in like a buzzsaw. <laughs> and uh, I'm usually pretty forceful. Uh, one of the stories that uh, President O'Neill will tell on me is that when I started the seminary, uh, I was the loudmouth. And everyone in the seminary could hear when uh, one of my classes started. And I remember this uh, quite vividly, that uh, when I started one of my classes, I heard doors in other parts of the building closing. <laughs> and uh, the librarian uh, used to tell me, I enjoy listening to your lectures. <laughs> Uh, but, but the key here with evangelism is with gentleness. 
with gentleness. See, people, especially people that are under conviction, people that are fearful, uh, people that don't know how to react in church, people that don't know how to uh, uh, communicate with others who might be in the church, are going to hold back. And, uh, and they are fearful. And so you have to treat them with gentleness. And, uh, of course, every person is due proper respect. Uh, we, we often talk about, uh, in uh, the school scene, about not invading someone's space and uh, not coming up to them nose to nose, <laughs> literally, and uh, talk, talking to them. But but to give them some space and uh, uh, to love them and to respect them. And uh, as I'll uh, give you some examples in the next hour, in the next session, if people don't want to listen, say my posture is usually back away. Back away. Don't force yourself on people. You see, let God do the work He will do and trust him to do the work he will do. Uh, God is in the business of converting men and women and he can, as I said, he can do it very effectively. And so we don't have to force the issue. We don't have to twist people's arms uh, uh, in in this uh, business that we're in. And so uh, uh, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect. And you notice that the Apostle Peter is talking about being prepared to make a defense. And so we want to talk about this idea of being prepared to make a defense. And in doing so, please turn back to Acts chapter 9 or 29. No, not 29. I'll be all right. 26. Uh, Acts chapter 26. This is uh, Paul uh, before uh, Agrippa. And uh, uh, just in a moment here, I want to read through the passage and then we'll uh, work through it. Uh, But uh, what we're going to do is And draw an outline uh, from uh, this passage. And uh, so this is uh, uh, the defense or uh, testimony. We're the, uh, the idea we usually use is the idea of testimony. So let's read uh, the passage. And I'm not going to read uh, the entire... Uh, chapter, but uh, down through verse 18. So you follow along as I uh, read here. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. Okay? Same word that uh, Peter is using in 1 Peter chapter 3, always being prepared to make a defense. Okay? So this is an example of uh, a defense that is made. Uh, Paul says now in verse 2, I consider myself fortunate uh, 
that it is before you, King Agrippa, uh, I am going to make my defense today against the, all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time uh, if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee, and now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise uh, made by God to our fathers, uh, to which the twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many many things opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only looked up, uh, locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, But then when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme. In raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from their darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And we'll stop the reading there. Okay, go back to the beginning of the chapter now. And let me just outline this for you. And we'll come back and go through the passage in a little bit more detail. Verse 1 in chapter 26 is just introducing the narrative. And in verses 2 and 3, the Apostle Paul is making his introduction. Okay, So, first of all, we have this short introduction. Uh, then in uh, verse 4, you, you see the uh, uh, topic shifts a little bit. 
my manner of life from my youth. Well, you get right away what uh, Paul is doing here, uh, don't you? Uh, He's beginning to speak about his former life. So uh, uh, the next piece is uh, my former life. Now you may say this fits the uh, this this fits the pattern. We we're accustomed to this sort of thing uh, for sure. Uh, as, as you go through uh, uh, the passage now, when you get to uh, verse six, uh, the, there's a shift again in verse six, uh, where Paul says, "Now I stand here on trial because of my hope." Uh, so. Uh, uh, th- this is another piece of of the defense. My well, I'm not going to put that there. I'm going to come down here, and the reason will uh, uh, emerge in a moment. And then when you get to uh, uh, verse nine, uh, you see. What uh, uh, Paul does, he goes back to his former life. I myself was convinced uh, that I ought to do many things uh, in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So he he uh, has this introduction. He starts on his former life. He drops down to his hope, and then uh, goes back to the, uh, his former life. Uh, and uh, then in verse uh, twelve in uh, uh, my Bible, uh, this uh, English Standard Version, uh, the title uh, put by the editors is Paul tells of his conversion. Uh, so in verse 12, uh, he says, In this connection I journeyed uh, uh, to Damascus, etc., etc. And he tells what's, what happens uh, to him on his journey to Damascus. And uh, so we have... Uh, What Christ did. And uh, these pieces, it turns out, are the basic uh, pieces of Paul's defense. Uh, A short introduction. Uh, He talks about his former life. He speaks about what Christ did. And uh, he has a word with regard to uh, his hope. All right? So these are the basic pieces. Now they may uh, not be in this exact order, but uh, these are, uh, it seems to me, the basic pieces of what he does. Uh, So let's go back and and, uh, examine it uh, just a little bit more. Uh, Verses 2 and 3. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am going to make my defense today against the all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me uh, patiently. Uh, I think uh, uh, this little introduction is uh, striking because uh, Paul does not come against uh, King Agrippa, uh, but he's very kind to him and uh, speaks well of King Agrippa. 
he uh, says to uh, King Agrippa that he considers himself fortunate to be able to uh, speak to uh, King Agrippa. He says of uh, King Agrippa, you're familiar with all of the customs of the Jews, and, and so uh, basically you understand some of the things that I'm going to uh, say to you. And uh, we ought not to be in a big controversy here. Uh, there's a sense in which he's kind of buttering up uh, King Agrippa, uh, you see. Uh, and he, he's not confrontational with King Agrippa at all. And, and I think sometimes when we uh, uh, contemplate making a defense uh, for the hope that's within us, where people are confrontational with us, our response is to be confrontational with them. And uh, the caution ought to be, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't need to be confrontational. I don't need to be confrontational. And uh, this is exactly the, uh, the uh, posture of the Apostle Paul. And uh, so then he starts on his former manner of life. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own uh, nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest part of our religion, uh, I have lived as a Pharisee. Okay. Uh, now he breaks off uh, at that point. And uh, let's drop down to verse 9 where he continues uh, his former life. Uh, I myself uh, was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so uh, in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put uh, to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted uh, them even to foreign cities. Uh, do you notice anything about... Uh, what Paul says concerning his former manner of life. He's quite reserved about what he says concerning his former manner of life. He could have gone into many gory details. Uh, he doesn't do that. He lays out the general characteristics of his former manner of life, uh, but he doesn't go into a lot of detail uh, about what he did. He, he surely could have, because he was a mean rascal. Uh, there's no question that that's the case. But he doesn't spend a lot of time uh, on a lot of details. He just gives a general outline of his posture uh, as a Pharisee and a committed Pharisee and as a result uh, what he did to uphold uh, what he understood to be the Jewish faith. And he was very faithful uh, to that as uh, he looked at himself uh, through his own eyes. Uh, isn't it interesting that in most testimonies, the longest part of the testimony is uh, 
the former manner of life. And in many circumstances, a lot of salacious material is related. And people love it. <laughs> There's a reason for this. There's a reason for this, you see. And uh, the, the purpose of the defense, the purpose of the testimony, is not to rehearse all the salacious material. I could relate a lot of salacious material uh, about my former life outside of Christ, but it would not be appropriate. And uh, uh, because this is the case, I would not do it. I can give you a general outline of the kind of person I was, and that would be sufficient. And this is exactly what uh, the Apostle Paul does. Okay. Uh, then, uh, you see, he uh, talks about what Christ did. My former life, what did Christ do? Uh, verse 12, In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew di dialect or the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Hey, let, let's just stop there. What did Jesus Christ do with the Apostle Paul? Jesus Christ revealed himself to Paul. Now, uh, it's quite obvious that uh, Paul uh, was different than any of you or me <laughs> because he had a different ministry. And uh, the, uh, the text goes on to indicate what uh, Jesus Christ has in store for the Apostle Paul. Uh, but the point here is this. If you are a Christian, in some manner and in some form, Jesus Christ revealed Himself to you. And He did so personally. This is the point, is it not? That Jesus Christ actually did reveal Himself to you. And in some form, He spoke to you. The revelation of God through Jesus Christ came to you. It might have been in a circumstance such as in this congregation where you, you hear the pastor uh, speaking about Jesus Christ and issue a gospel call. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And uh, the Holy Spirit opens your heart and you, uh, for the first time, really understand the gospel. And Jesus Christ reveals himself to you. Uh, uh, this occurred for me in a chaplain's office in South Korea. I went into the chaplain's office. The chaplain said, said to me, what are you doing here? 
I said to him, I don't have the vaguest idea. <laughs> Which was true. And he said to me, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I thought to myself, not a good idea to lie to the chaplain. And I said, no. And he uh, opened a desk drawer and pulled out a, a little New Testament and started going through some passages of Scripture, a pretty standard uh, gospel presentation. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Christ died for our sins, etc., etc. Uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And so several Scriptures. And... And I'd gone to Sunday school, I'd gone to church, and for the first time in my life, uh, I understood the gospel. And that's how I was converted. And uh, Christ, in this circumstance, revealed Himself to me. And uh, at some point, all of us, uh, if we're Christians are able to say that Christ revealed Himself to us and were able to say with the Apostle Paul, He loved me and He gave Himself up for me. We learn that this is the case, that this is personal, that this is not just a general thing, but this is personal for each of us. And this is what happened to the Apostle Paul. It was a little different, granted, than what... Uh, occurred in your life and what occurred in my life. But we're all different and God deals with us in, in different ways because we're all in different circumstances. And, and this is part of what we have to learn and understand. Uh, okay, let's, let's continue on. Uh, let's see, verse 16. Uh, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness uh, to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. What does God say, what does Jesus Christ say to uh, Paul? I have appointed you a witness. Ding, 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 ding. Witness. How many of you have had a car accident? Okay. Wow, here you almost everybody. The insurance company's doing well, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Uh, people that see the accident are witnesses, right? And uh, when you have an accident and the, the police are called, you have to fill out a form and uh, certify. Uh, on the form that as far as you know, you're telling the truth and these are the things uh, that uh, transpired. And there's a sense in which you too, because you're involved in the accident, you're a witness to the accident. It's inevitable, right? You can't escape the fact that uh, you're a witness because you've been involved in the accident. The same thing applies now if you're a Christian. I just put it this way. Uh, Christ revealed Himself to you. You were involved in the accident. Christ revealed Himself to you. And by virtue of the fact you were there, 
when Christ revealed himself to you, you are a witness. That's it. You cannot escape the fact that you are a witness to what Christ has done. And all of us need to understand that this is the case. Being a witness is, is not uh, some kind of uh, unearthly thing to which we are called and only certain people are called because they have gifts. Uh, no, everyone is a witness. Because if you're a Christian, you were there when Christ revealed himself to you. And so you too are called to be a witness. And there will be occasions where people will ask you about what happened to you. A fellow that is worshiping with the second RP and uh, who's gone through a very difficult time uh, in his life uh, in, as far as his family and uh, his business is concerned, uh, and uh, particularly uh, with his family. Uh, he's been divorced, and, and uh, his children uh, turned against him. And uh, the testimony came back... Uh, to us through Roy Blackwood that uh, one of the daughters of this man has looked at him and said with regard to, to this man, Dad has really changed. There's something different about him. Well, of course, the difference is Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what the difference is, you see. And uh, uh, without uh, forcing the issue, because he uh, hasn't really had that much opportunity to do so, he's been a witness uh, just by his own life and character uh, to his daughter. And uh, this testimony has come back. We are witnesses. I had an experience years ago after getting out of the Army, we moved to Dallas, Texas, and I eventually got a job, because I didn't have a call, with Travelers Insurance Company as a safety engineer. And I worked in the office there, and when I received a call into the pastorate of an Orthodox Presbyterian Church, we left that office, and... Uh, I assume this pastoral role. Well, uh, after a period of time being in that uh, pastoral role, uh, I received a letter from the wife of a man that I trained as a safety engineer in that office at Travelers Insurance Company in Dallas, Texas. And this woman says to me, my husband was converted. And obviously she was happy. And she said, we attribute my husband's conversion largely to you and to the way that you carried yourself in the office of Travelers Insurance Company.
He knew I was a Christian. He knew I was a Christian. And uh, I didn't make a big deal about it. My boss was a Christian, too. And uh, so, so it was a happy kind of uh, circumstance uh, for me uh, to work in that office. But it was just, a, again, a testimony to the fact that we don't realize how God uses our lives to witness to people about his power to change us and to make us different people. We are witnesses, you see. And so uh, Jesus Christ uh, is telling this to uh, the apostle. Uh, Verse 16 again, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those uh, in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, uh, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus Christ says, Now, I'm appearing to you, and I'm changing you for a purpose. This change that I'm bringing about in your life is not an end in itself. You are to be a witness And when you are a witness, you will, by your witness, and I think uh, along with this, uh, it can be said, along with the work of the Holy Spirit, the eyes of others will be opened with regard to me. Thus says Jesus Christ. Your conversion is not an end in itself. He's made you a witness in order that the eyes of others may be opened to the praise of God. Okay. Now, uh, how how long does it take to uh, read through this passage, these uh, 18 verses. Doesn't take very long, does it? Uh, to be sure, uh, this little passage uh, is a summary of what Jesus Christ did with uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, but it's a summary that's been given to us by uh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, when I work through this uh, uh, same passage in uh, the New American Standard Version, and uh, I've got it in one of the chapters of my uh, little book here, uh, I worked it out like this, that that the... uh, the introduction was uh, 11% of the presentation. Uh, that the former 
manner of life was 32% of the uh, presentation. That uh, what Christ did was 43% of the presentation. And uh, the hope, and I I didn't go back to the hope, did I? We need to do that. It's 13, 13.5. You won't be able to read my scribbles. 13.5% of the presentation. Okay, you can quibble with me. That's all right. I'll, I'll let you quibble with me. Uh, but, but, uh, my emphasis here is, uh, to say, uh, as far as the presentation as a whole is concerned, what's the largest piece? What Christ did. The largest piece is not my former manner of life. We need to, we need to get that proportion, I think. And, uh, uh, the introduction is uh, 11%. I like this because uh, Jared will remember, I always told uh, the students in uh, preaching, uh, your introduction and your conclusion should be about 10% of your time each. The introduction should be about 10% and the conclusion should be about 10%. And part of our problem is that, I know Jared never does this, the introduction is too long, <laughs> uh, which gobbles up a lot of your time. It's a very short introduction. And then, of course, these uh, words uh, about hope. And, uh, of course, again, what is the hope? Uh, verse 6, Now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. For this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by you, uh, by any of you, that God should raise the dead? The hope of the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection. Now, uh, here's a pattern uh, I suggest uh, you can use in... Uh, preparing uh, a testimony, all right? And uh, why do I suggest this? Because it's brief. Because it's brief. It's something that you can give to someone in uh, two or three or four minutes. Not 15 or 20 minutes or a half hour. If you have more time with them, sure, you can go into things in more depth. But often, you have a short period of time, and if you have just a short testimony you can give to people, the better it is. And so this is what I suggest. And uh, here's an example that uh, I I worked out that uh, uh, is in my uh, little book here, Uh, uh, trying to follow this pattern. Uh, so I come come to someone and they they ask me uh, about uh, my faith. 
thanks for this opportunity to briefly talk to you about my faith in Christ. I hope you will take what I have to say seriously and not disregard my words as coming from some fundamentalist fanatic. So I'm, I'm kind of repeating what uh, uh, Paul uh, says with uh, uh, in his little testimony. When I was a youngster in high school and college, I was like a lot of kids. I attended church pretty regularly with my friends. I was active in the Boy Scouts and even won the God and Country Award. I also played varsity football in high school and was later captain of the West Point rugby team. In college, I attended chapel services regularly and often attempted to read the Bible. Something was missing. I couldn't really pray and I didn't understand the Bible. Most of all, my religious convictions were shallow. They did not keep me from drinking heavily and carousing with the crowd. Well, you see, I could have said a lot more. But no, not appropriate. Just a general outline of former life. When I graduated from West Point, my first military assignment was in Korea. We called it the armpit of the world. No one from Korea here. Uh, here God began to deal with me. I made a commitment not to live a, a totally immoral life with prostitutes. Later I came to realize this was the beginning of repentance. This was God at work in my life. You see, the Bible tells us real repentance is a gift from God. Then one day I felt compelled to visit with the chaplain. He challenged me right away by asking, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I hadn't. The chaplain opened the Bible. For the first time, I understood this book. God showed me through the Bible I was a sinner. God showed me he sent Christ into the world to die on the cross to pay for my sins. Finally, God showed me from the Bible Christ is alive and that he was raised from the grave. Through the Bible, God also showed me the way to hope and eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ. The chaplain led me in prayer, and I did trust Christ. Because of what Christ did for me, dying and rising again, I have real hope. I have hope in heaven to come. Do you? That, that, that's basically the same pattern, and uh, it's uh, very simple. Now, a lot more could be said, obviously. Uh, a lot more could be said in preparation uh, what God did uh, bringing me to Korea and doing all sorts of other things, and uh, what God did in, in the aftermath of uh, this conversion. But uh, very simple testimony. And uh, my suggestion to you is that uh, you uh, take this pattern and write out a little testimony. Just think it through how you would explain how you came to faith in Christ in uh, this very simple manner. Now, uh, uh, if you are uh, like many people, uh, my wife, uh, for example, and uh, you don't have much to say about a former manner of life, that's okay. That's okay. So you don't say much here. little introduction, maybe a line or two, uh, about your life, and then mostly about what Christ did and the hope that you have, how Christ revealed Himself to you, and the hope that you have now. Uh, 
you see. And part of the problem in this world today is the prevalence of hopelessness, right? Hopelessness. And people need hope. They need to be directed to the one who will give them hope. And of course, he is Jesus Christ. And so, when you think about being prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you concerning the hope that's in you, see, I would suggest get prepared. <laughs> see? Uh, think through uh, a little testimony that you can relate to people. Now, what will this do? This will help quell the fear factor just by having a little preparation. You know uh, in school, some of you have to think back a little little ways, that uh, when you go to an exam not being prepared, the fear factor is big. <laughs> but if there's good preparation, the fear factor goes down. And uh, this is what happens. And so we all need to realize that this is the case. And so uh, I encourage you uh, with this. And uh, uh, you can take a look in uh, my uh, little book here of, of these uh, examples uh, that I've given. And, uh, uh, you know, I'd encourage you to put something together and go over it with your pastor. And uh, practice on your pastor. He'd be glad to hear uh, you do this. And... Uh, uh, then you'll be better prepared when you meet people uh, uh, as you're out and about uh, in the town. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks uh, for your goodness and grace. Thank you for uh, the way you do uh, teach us and uh, prepare us to uh, carry out uh, your tasks and uh, how you work with us to make us witnesses and then uh, prepare us to be better witnesses in this world concerning your work on behalf of uh, sinners, on behalf of men and women, just like us. So uh, give us your grace to this end, we pray, and help us, we ask, in the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.